0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: Late Tuesday night, making the rounds with executives and gossiping about the NFL's explosion of COVID infection this week. I was able to go on a thankful little detour with the general manager when the league's forthcoming salary bump in 2022 came up in a conversation. The league's news was delivered to franchises earlier Tuesday, and as expected, it was good. A 14% jump kind of good, putting in a $208.2 million salary cap for teams, plus whatever cap space they can roll over from this season into next. Immediately, I knew that meant there would be plenty of money in the system next offseason. But this particular GM's team, like most, has an active salary cap model that gets adjusted almost daily to keep track of what other teams will have to spend in 2022. So he says to me, guess how much cap space is out there right now? I didn't have cap figures in front of me. I stammered a little bit while I was trying to pull something up on my computer. And once he achieved the desired suspense, he dropped the figure. A billion dollars, he said. Wait, what? What? I was a little incredulous. That seemed wrong, especially given that we're coming off a season where the cap was drawn back to $182.5 million because of a pandemic revenue adjustment. Even with the huge percentage jump, the cap was still basically getting back into line with what it would have been if there had been no 2020 COVID fallout and the league's bottom line hadn't been hammered. But I did the math. He's right. At this moment in time, with cap space, teams will be rolling over. There's a billion dollars in cap space just sitting there, waiting for fat extensions and a free agency bonanza like we've never seen before. And it actually makes some sense when you consider what happened last offseason. The league got this fat piggy bank largely because spending was fairly curbed in last offseason's free agency, and a litany of players who normally would have gotten solid contracts ended up signing one-year deals. Mostly because the market was soft and their agents kept telling them this cap explosion was likely to happen in only one year. A huge cap jump, a ton of free cash, and an exponentially better chance to reel in the payday they were looking for. And so they will. Now, I'm still not to the point of wanting to get into the ins and outs of everyone that's slated to cash in. But I did ask this GM, if you're in a position of need anywhere on the field, what's the bumper crop? Who's going to have a deep well to choose from? He answered very simply, wide receiver, a position where his franchise is projecting 12 of their top 50 free agents to be available at the moment. And he added that if you simply need pass catchers, you can expand that to include tight ends and suddenly 20 of the top 60 players out there in free agency will be from the receiver and tight end groups. This is thanks to a run on receivers in the last several drafts, which has packed the league with plenty of budding wideouts and made quite a few veterans a little easier to lose. The bottom line, if you're a franchise looking for an impact receiver or tight end, it's going to be a fun offseason. And one last thing that makes this cap space boom so intriguing, the teams with the money to spend aren't your typical bottom-dwelling franchises. In fact, when you look at the teams starting at roughly $40 million or more to spend in 2022, 10 of them are either in the playoff hunt right now or really should be aiming for the postseason next year. What that translates into is basically one-third of the league's general managers and head coaches sitting there with a ton of money to spend and the motivation to wield the black Amex card like they're blowing someone else's money. Which, in actuality, they are. And they will. Because, hell... That billion dollars isn't going to spend itself. Now, we're not going to get into that whole free agency outlook just yet. We'll save that for a show a little further down the line because I brought in two special guests this week for a very rare trio show. Our own Dan Wetzel will be joining me along with our former colleague, Pat Forty, who is now at SI, but still teams up with Dan on the College Football Inquirer podcast. Of course, the reason I brought them in is purposeful. We'll talk a little bit about that Monday night win by the L.A. Rams that shook up the NFC playoff picture a bit. But I brought Dan and Pat in to grip it and rip it on one of their favorite targets, Mr. Urban Meyer, who is already locked up this season's Don't Give Me Matches Because I Will Light Something on Fire Award. We're also going to talk a little bit about the COVID explosion that happened this week since the Cleveland Browns literally put 15% of their 53-man roster on the COVID reserve list on Tuesday and hot spots appear to be on the verge of breaking out all over the league. And we'll also touch a little bit on hot seats in the NFL, in the head coaching ranks and some college players that we should be paying attention to as that's been an area of strength for both Pat and Dan and it's really in the wheelhouse of their podcast. All right, so that's a lot. Let's not waste any more time and get into it. As always, I'm Charles Robinson and welcome once again to You Pod to Win the Game. Hello. 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 You pod to win the game. That's the great thing about sports. You pod to win the game. All right, welcome to You Pod to Win the Game. I am Charles Robinson, national NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, and I am here with two special guests. I requested them for this show in particular, just because I knew we were going to be talking about Urban Meyer, and I don't think I've had better, funnier conversations with two individuals uh, outside of these two. So I'm bringing in, as I said, really introductions aren't needed. Pat Forty, national writer, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. Dan Wetzel, senior columnist for Yahoo Sports. Gentlemen, it is a coronation week once again for Urban Meyer. It it never seems to end, but I I want to bring something up. We haven't been together at Yahoo Sports in a minute here since Pat defected, like the traitor that he is. And <laughs> quitter. <laughs> and yeah, total quitter. Absolutely. Uh, He's the Chip uh, Kelly. He's uh, the Chip oh. Kelly. No, he of was our... the
0: source. There was leaked oh. sources. He was
2: fired in one second, like Urban Meyer fired. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> <He> were <was laughs> the source. Right. Get that guy out of here. But the, in the next summer, uh, 2022, summer 22, is the 10 year anniversary of myself. Dan and Pat sitting around a table in London oh, pounding pints <laughs> pints into submission and watching Dan Wetzel at one point go into the bathroom of a London pub holding a full pint. <laughs> he took his pint into the bathroom of a London pub. <laughs> maximizing the time
1: that was yeah. <laughs> that was an epic night i will say an epic night that did include charles absolutely routing dan in uh, beer drinking contests i mean i bet on wetzel I you f- cost me pounds, <laughs>
0: lots of why you bet on me i don't know but i tried i was i i fought fought my best
2: well our editor-in-chief johnny ludden won a lot of money on me that night and that's probably why i'm still employed well I love having you guys in thank you very much I appreciate it we'll get to Meyer in a minute I, I I just want to touch on real quick the Monday Night Football game turned out to be a really good game we've we've you know as the NFL turns every top team has hit a wall at some point and Arizona was the one that everyone was counting on to hold on to that number one slot and everyone's power rankings didn't happen and inconceivably didn't happen against the Rams team that was racked by COVID multiple starters out, obviously Jalen Ramsey, Tyler Higbee, uh, the, the corner and the tight end, the two big ones. But I think actually I thought it was interesting because we have this prospect. I, after all the positive COVID tests in the NFL yesterday, it was a record like 36 players. I called around to some executives before the Monday night football game. And one thing they all agreed on a, a playoff game is going to get hit by this. Like there's going to be a team that's going to lose some players to COVID in a playoff game. And we'll see what that looks like. Well, I think we saw what it looked like on Monday. You had a playoff team. You know, this was basically a playoff game. Number one seed implications on the line for, for the, the Arizona Cardinals. And then what happens? The team that loses the talent and has supposedly the soft quarterback in Matt Stafford that everybody was jumping on uh, comes out and plays fantastic football and I guess makes the statement that, you know what? We, we can't count the L.A. Rams out of this yet.
0: Next man up. Yeah, next man up. Yeah, I thought you know, look, Kyler Murray had a had a poor game. The two the two picks were devastating. One was mm-hmm. you know in the red zone. The other gave him the uh, the Rams the red zone. You know, I think you know, look, you overreact. It's the it's the league of overreaction. So uh, you know that was concerning. Uh, the other part is I uh, you know I thought Kingsbury and and the way they played down the stretch was didn't make any sense. They they did terrible clock management. There were bad penalties. The final drive was a scramble that was totally disorganized. Uh, they did get the onside kick, which was a beauty of an onside kick. Um, but I think the question with Arizona and the reason, especially as you look at the top of this conference, you've got Brady and the Bucks, you've got Rodgers and the, and the uh, Packers, and you've got a bunch of others, but you trust those guys. right? You trust those teams. You trust those quarterbacks. You trust those coaches to a degree. You're going in now on that level with a quarterback that's never done it and a coach that's never done it. Uh, and every one of those little mistakes get magnified in the playoffs by, you know, Matt LaFleur still uh, getting, you know, beat up for uh, kicking it instead of going for it on a play that I think the decision was made on third down by Aaron Rodgers. I said this on before I thought Rogers blew it, but Rogers, they were shifted onto his coach. That's how big those decisions were. Kingsbury had like three decisions last night that did not work. And, and Murray had a couple. So, so much pressure on that we got to say can these guys do it in january and that's a question they're not going to be able to answer until they can answer it uh, at the same time stafford has the same problem can he do it in january i mean this is arguably the biggest win of his career 13 yeah, yeah. seasons then i would there agree were a couple big ones in detroit to keep a wild card season alive but for the you know he's 0-3 in the playoffs never won a division very few signature victories And you said, and that was the big thing. Can can he step up and do what he did last night? Three touchdowns, no interceptions, run the game really well. Heads up on covering that fumble uh, on the strip sack. That was a huge play. I mean, he was the only one who thought he was the one who knew it. Yeah, (laughs) that thing lays there long enough, and that is gone. This game is totally different. He played winning football, and so the same thing. So that's what I took out of last night. It was a great, great game. So many big time plays.
1: Yeah, excellent game. And I think you tweeted, Dan, I mean, the amount the amount of talent on the field on both of these teams, uh, skill talent, defensive talent, oh my gosh, it's fun to watch. Uh, I thought Stafford was brilliant. You know, they they designed and executed the bomb to Jefferson really, really nicely. Uh, but the throw that he made to Cooper Cup for the touchdown, oh my gosh, I mean, yeah. putting that that tiny window down low and I do. I have to say, as a Bronco fan, I watch a number ten who can catch, and I think how good Jerry Judy could be if he had Cooper Cup's hands. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but not, nonetheless, uh, no, it's a, I, the NFC is going to be fascinating to me. I think because I think you're right that a lot of people look at Arizona and like, yeah, okay, twelve games in, you look great. Now, what are you going to do? And then we'll see what happens when you get into that crucible where you know you're literally out for every game you if you lose. So. Uh, I think everything probably still runs through Brady and the Bucks at this point, don't you guys?
2: I, yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's Brady. I, I, well, let's see how the the number one seed shakes out, because I, I really do think Lambeau, especially considering only the top seeds get the home field advantage this year and the buy. I still think going through Lambeau and having a game off for Green Bay would be a tremendous leg up. One thing about L.A. real quick before we move on, Odell Beckham, Junior settled in a little bit like he settled in a little bit and I I was I was texting with with you know a couple of guys who were either watching the game or doing some advanced film stuff and one one in particular said to me like hey man you know what he's still fast like we you know this (laughs) whole question about the loser gear you know in Cleveland he had obviously suffered a lot of injuries and all of a sudden maybe he's not as fast as he used to be It's like I don't know man he looks like he still is If he's not 100% of what he used to be, maybe 95%, and that's still good enough to beat most corners um, in the NFL. And he clearly looks motivated. That was one of the things about last night where I'm like, damn, he might be able to put this together enough that when he heads into free agency this offseason, not only will the Rams potentially say, man, can we find a way to keep him, but there may be a, a wide receiver needy team out there with frankly I think would have to be have to have a big gun quarterback someone who he's not going to go sideways on that would be in the market for Odell Beckham Jr. I think there's we're starting to see maybe there's still something there to value
0: yeah great great game by him Stafford had he had a 58 yard pass a 44 and a 40 I mean three deep out balls like that in one game is pretty impressive and then that wasn't his best throw Pat mentioned the the ridiculous play on the uh you know in the corner the front corner of the end zone to cup so uh, but Beckham changes, he gives them another weapon. They got weapons. And you saw the D-line, Savon Von Miller making plays and Aaron Donald oh. making plays. Oh, Donald so,
2: was unbelievable. Our Donald yeah.
0: obviously was, in, but, you know, how much is that freeing him up? Because they they have gone all in, and last night was all in. Like, you saw what they could be. Um, so, yeah, Arizona, can Arizona go up, go on the road? The funny part, Arizona is 3-3 three and three at home, 7-0 and oh on the road.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Uh, kind of weird, but um, I would still rather play at home. Does anyone have better field? Anyone have better grass in the NFL than the Arizona Cardinals? That turf is insane.
1: It's beautiful. Now, don't they They wheel it out of yeah, the dome? they yeah, do. Right? They lot. let it get in the sun and everything, and then they put it in?
0: Yeah, so there's yeah. no shadows. It's, I mean, like, it looks like a it looks like a golf course. Like, I
1: just want to go out there and just, <laughs> I just want to like you know hit some hit some wedge shots out there. They got nice grass on the golf courses in Arizona too. Yeah, so they do know how to grow some it's grass very good out there. Get yeah. proper hydration. Yeah. Awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, we we got to get to the the topic of the week. Like, no matter what, this was going to be the topic of the week. It's going to continue to be a complete show in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer. I mean. Now there's leaks coming out. And the greatest thing is that this is it was run through the league owned and operated NFL Network, which really comes and drops. And the thing was, it wasn't the first time that there had been reports of dissent. Okay, there were a couple earlier ones, but it didn't quite carry the battle axe that Tom Pellicero at the NFL Network did, you know, basically saying that, you know, Urban's essentially calling some of his assistant coaches like losers. They have loser resumes or losing resumes. They should defend their resumes, you know, essentially gets into this uh, supposedly argument with, with Marvin Jones, the point where Jones leaves the facility, you know, guys, they don't like him and there's strife. And these are other things that we had heard. And that's on top of the multitude of other dumb things. And I said, you know, urban has this Nixonian ability to keep digging the hole deeper for himself. And then what's great about this is they go, they absolutely bomb against the the Tennessee Titans. Trevor Lawrence, worst game of the season for Trevor Lawrence gets asked a million questions about urban after the game, which is, that's great. It's not like the kid's got to worry about his own development. Like, you know, all the things that he has to worry about on the field. Now he has to answer for urban Meyer, but then urban Meyer, when he's, he's getting questioned by some, some Titans beat reporters and they ask about safety, Andre Cisco. Okay. And, Myers says, I don't, you know, something along the lines, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's playing a little bit more. Cisco didn't even play. He didn't even play against the Titans. So it's <laughs> like he doesn't even have conceptually the, the knowledge of knowing whether or not these guys, and by the way, he was involved in drafting the kid, okay? So it's not like it's just some nobody on the roster he inherited. He was involved in drafting him. And now he doesn't even know whether or not the kid's getting on the field or not. Jags owner, Shad Khan, is out here saying, not going to make rash decisions, but, you know, going to do the right thing for the team and the city, all these things. I maintain, end of the day, I the belief is that this guy signed a six-year deal. The belief is that he's making $9 million a season. If you fire him, even if you fire him at the end of the season, whatever, it's a $100 million decision you're making there because you're going to have to pay him and you're going to have to pay $50 million to the next coach through the door. This entire thing is just, it is as bad as it could possibly be and to the point where there was a, a point coming into this where I was like, "Let's not compare him to Bobby Petrino because that was about as bad as it could go." Well, Bobby Petrino, after 13 games, was three and 10. Urban two and 11. Okay, the the only thing that Urban's done that Bobby wasn't smart enough to do was Urban's not quitting. He's like, "No, I'm going to make you pay me. I'm going to stay here." <laughs> Bobby Petrino set the narrative in stone forever by, as Mike Zimmer called it, you know, being a coward and walking out the door. That's the only thing at this point that I think Urban Meyer has on Bobby Petrino that he hasn't just basically iced everybody else's career and those coaching staff.
1: Well, yeah, let's be honest here. You didn't bring me on as the college Jack leg to, you know, <laughs> to talk about <laughs> Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford. I'm on here to drag Urban Meyer and I'm happy to do it. Do your That's job. Why, uh, do your is, job. Yeah, this is why
2: I this, and, and again, as I said, leading into this, only two men could come on today. <laughs> Only two guys who have covered Urban Meyer far more than I, I don't are, think, are ready for this. Um, they're not going to be pointing yeah.
0: this over the speakers at Urban's last pint or whatever the
2: <laughs> got from
0: this.
1: Yeah, I, I'm mad at myself because the guy that I have called my favorite narcissist for many years, I, I thought that his intellect— would override his ego to the point where he would at least understand that he needed to come in with an ounce of humility and a different approach to being the emperor which Mm -hmm. is the way he ran his college program that i figured he was smart enough to know okay i can't do everything here the way i did everything there that i can't be the most arrogant SOB around, that I have to listen to other people, that I've got to put the players first, that I can't bring in raging, bully, racist Chris Doyle as the strength coach, that I can't abuse the players in the OTA, that I I, I can't throw everyone under the bus at every opportunity after every loss. But no, that's him. He's still so damn arrogant that he thinks that he can just be Urban Meyer without adjusting himself at all. To a different level of football, and look at here's the results. I mean, it's just a spectacular, epic failure, uh, which I should have seen coming because I should have realized that my favorite narcissist ain't changing for nobody.
0: I think that was it. There hasn't been any change. But anyway, look, Charles, we we're on the. I was on the summer, and I said Urban Meyer will make Jacksonville news and make them newsworthy all season long, good or bad. We don't know, but I guarantee you that it'll be a total circus. And here we are. Every week, it's a disaster. He's never changed. He focused on hiring a strength coach in Chris Doyle. Strength coaches are a big deal in college. You have to change the workout routine and the body structure of, of these kids. They come in at 18, they leave at 23. Name another strength coach in the NFL. Who's the Patriots yeah. secret sauce strength coach? Yeah, it's not the it's not the. Big, they they the work out on their own. These are professional athletes. They have their own strength coach. It's not that you don't need one. You do. But it's not like, well, we got the best. I got the best strength coach. Well, these guys are already in shape. Have you seen an NFL player? Like, this isn't the old days where they're smoking heaters at, like, halftime and stuff. Like, this is Every guy is, like, working out all winter, all summer long, right? And then, okay, so he brings that. that is, he, he, the OTAs are, like, you know – we're, we're running Oklahoma drills all day. No, I mean, we got a union, dude. We, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> facilities. Kept talking. We're going to build the best facilities. That's mentality. Facilities. The Patriots train in a bubble. Okay? I got, you know, like Miami, Ohio has better facilities than the New England Patriots. It doesn't <laughs> matter. What is, what's Belichick the other night after the Buffalo game? This is why we train outside. Y'all hate me? I don't want a facility. I want a sparkling facility. We're going to train in the damn winter. Because that's what we, we play the games. He's sitting there talking about facilities. I need this infrastructure. I need this. That. That's all stuff that doesn't matter. Then we get to this. I mean, he is so incapable of admitting he screwed up. He is urban liar. Right. The best part, remember we got in trouble for telling the truth this year. Telling the truth, yeah. yeah that was his <laughs> one. he got in trouble for being like, yeah. You gonna,
2: I'm, cut guys, yeah cut I'm cutting guys because of COVID.
0: Like, wait, he told the <laughs> truth? Urban Meyer? <liar? laughs> <laughs> he he lies about everything, right? Urban liar. That's his nickname. I mean, the the stories on on pulled scholarships and recruits. But listen listen to some of these stuff. what okay, we got the the NFL report. I mean, first off, you know how airtight that had to be for the NFL.com. Yeah to run oh, a story oh, about, the, yeah. uh, so oh, there's yeah. uh-huh. no, like, a uh, editor to Tom Pellis, oh, who's this, I can't tell you, no, no, it's like, it's this guy, it's this guy, right, I mean, everyone, <laughs> so they're, they're <laughs> racking them. They're, they're trying to drag him, but, like, the quote, I don't know why I didn't get more attention, but the one that bothered, early this year, is the two, early this year, they screwed up the play calling on, on a goal line stand, and they lose the game. And someone goes, why didn't you run on fourth and, in- and like two inches? Why didn't you run Trevor Lawrence QB sneak? There was a spot in the A gap. He's, he's six foot six. He's 22 years old. And he goes, uh, Trevor doesn't know how to run the QB sneak. He's not comfortable with it. What? You <laughs> right. kept the ball and forward. Tom freaking Brady can run it. <laughs> And they asked Trevor, and he's like, what? He's like, I've run the QB. Like, what? That's him, right? Blame it on Trevor. Why are you throwing your franchise under? And then the other day, okay, this quote. Somebody asked him at the post-game press conference, and I don't know if this got the big enough, like, I don't know why it's getting more attention. A reporter said, given how much money you spent on the offensive line, how, why are they getting their ass kicked every week? Or is it a disappointment because they are getting their ass kicked every week. Somebody asked that in a press conference. Okay, that is—I love a good—I love a good, you know, angry press conference, like the next one. But that's some serious. Like, come on, man, that's disrespectful. <laughs> These are NFL players. You're going to tell, you're going to say to the players' face, "He got his ass kicked." This is the NFL. These guys are professionals. They are trying. They may not be successful in blocking or they're not running the ball, but they are not getting their ass kicked. He said, can you, and, and Urban Meyer's response was simply, yeah. That's all he said. <laughs> he didn't say, you do not disrespect my players right. like that. Not, you do not, a, it, he just let him say it.
2: It's and not those, exactly, it's not exactly Mike Tomlin. Like, right? Like Mike Tomlin probably <laughs> yeah. is going to be a, there's going to be a moment there, right? There so is going to be a fight. There is going to be a fight.
0: You, how do you not stand up for your players to some wise ass reporter who just said your line got their ass kicked, <laughs> and you just go, yeah. Inside that <laughs> locker room, if you are an offensive lineman and you are battered, bruised after any game, and you watch your head coach just to agree to to some ridiculous question like that, I, I mean, come on. You would no one would dare ask Tomlin or or Belichick or anybody anybody. The reaction would be straight up confrontation. They would turn that press conference into a referendum on this guy. They would literally get the fans against that guy. And he'd probably be fired because it'd be like, you don't disrespect the Jacksonville right?" Jackson yeah. And instead That's urban just goes, point. yeah. Cause he's all excited that they're blaming someone else. So, You're right. I, I mean, they should be kicking ass, but they're getting their ass kicked. Not my fault. That is the, one of the single worst answers I have ever seen by an NFL coach. I was flabbergasted that someone said that.
2: <laughs> one thing too that came out um, in the NFL Network report, Trevor Lawrence had to ask why James Robinson wasn't playing. You know, you're like, you're 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 like, okay, this kid's the enchilada, right? Like, if you're if you're Shaq Khan, you're like, what is if if he's what we believe he is, he is the one commodity we can't screw up. Right. We get, we've got to be here for 20 years. We have to, you know, make him into everything. We thought he was going to be everything he's built up to be. Right. And yet that kid has to go. I mean, you know, the, as you said, the QB sneak stuff, but then when he's got to go and go, Hey, this guy's like our best running back. Why is he not playing right now? (laughs) And, and, and like, Urban Meyer's is like, well, I don't make the, you know, I don't make the, the the call the rotational calls on the running backs, even though Carlos Hyde, who obviously has a long storied history with Urban Meyer, is is the one who's getting snaps back there. And no one, like, it's one thing of like reporters were like, what the hell is going on? Why is James Robinson not playing? Clearly the guy's, the, he's the best running back, might be their best skill position player at this point. And, and he's not playing. But then when Trevor Lawrence has to go and say, why are we not doing this? He's probably put up by the other players. I, because like, you're the only I one who can talk to this guy. I mean, that's probably, but I, I'm like, oh my God. You, if you're the owner, you have to go, whoa, that's not good. We can't have it's no. like, No, that it, mean, it means your kid is sitting there going, oh, well, they're f- with me right now. Like, I need this right. guy in the field. <clears throat>
1: Absolutely. That, I, I am worried for Trevor Lawrence at this point, who I, I think is a really good guy. You know, I think he's a good locker room guy. He's a tough player. But, I mean, I hope he doesn't end up going down Tim Couch, David Carr alley of just being on a bad team and getting blasted to bits and lose your confidence. I think he's better than both those other guys. I really do. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence could be a great, great NFL player. But you spend enough time at a vulnerable age in a very poorly run franchise with bad support around you and especially a head coach who's dysfunctional and not protecting you and maximizing you uh that's a concern if i if i were a jacksonville fan i'd be very concerned about that i I look at this team and and like
0: okay so it's a bad team losing sucks meyer's supposed to bring in a new culture right there's going to be growing pains there's gonna be some people bucking and all that that's why a lot of the stuff i didn't really care about bringing tebow in didn't really matter people hate tebow so they seized on that or but you watch the team and i watched a lot of the jacksonville game last week and then you watch like another terrible team. OK, like Detroit is terrible with a rookie coach. Right. They have one win.
2: Right.
0: But they were in that game against Denver depleted on covid. Their guys are playing. The mistakes yeah, are trying. Their mistakes are like, yeah, Jared Goff just right. overthrew a dude by five yards or they don't. You know, Dan Campbell doesn't make all the right calls and it, some game management stuff. But these guys are playing. They look organized for the most part. There's not this just total. They, they love their coach, even though they're losing. And you right. go, ah, oh, that mistake is our, our running back right now because we're missing three others is too slow, and you can live with that and go, right. all right, this this season sucks. we they're not going to be any good. They may not, they may never be good, and Dan Campbell may not last more than two years. But you don't just look and go, what is this disaster? Like every time they even moved the ball offensively, it was a it was felt like a miracle when Jacksonville did something. I'll say this though, their defense played really well. So there is that like their defense yeah. had a nice game against Tennessee, but the way everything else. And I just think it goes to that, to, to, to Meyer, the way he walks off the field, like he dead fishes Vrabel. And yeah, like he's got a hand in his pocket. Yeah. It's like, this is the leader of your team. Like this is your yeah. boss. And then he goes in. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. I mean, it's just like, Oh, poor urban Oh, oh f- poor that. urban's yeah. losing and only making 20. Mil-. I mean, it's like, wh- Get off, get over yourself. You know, I'm sure he's having a rough year. Probably not too much fun at home. But, <laughs> say, I mean, that maybe? didn't help. He <laughs> couldn't just go, just can't go home and be like, Hunter, let's sit down and about how things are. Things aren't going well at work. i no, no, no i am just
1: stay at the office now. Like and the, the, the assistants hate him. The players hate him. And it's probably not going so well at home. No, but that you know what—that's the thing too—is—is is again. I I thought that Urban would at least be able to intellectually say, "I am taking over a terrible franchise that's probably going to go four and twelve or four and thirteen since we're we're in a seventeen-game schedule," but he seems truly like shocked that they're losing. It's like, what did you expect, dude? You know, like because you're Urban Meyer, you walk in and all of a sudden bad players become great and you go nine and seven, 10 and seven. No, that was never going to happen. But he seems so you don't get 25 like, prepared for that. The, yeah. the last few years at
0: Ohio State, he spent almost all his time recruiting, which wasn't dumb. Right. But it's like he was a recruiter. He, he wasn't a coach. He wasn't a, an X and O coach. Right. You know, like there was no schematic advantage you're bringing in. If you bring in some of these guys, it's like that's what the NFL owners miss. There are coaches with schematic advantage. Even Chip Kelly did pretty well for a while there in the NFL. Yeah. He had a system that that made the NFL ended up catching up with him. But if you just bring in guys like Spurrier and, and, uh, uh, and Meyer who live off of having better talent, Urban Meyer would play two games a year where he had equal talent. And he often lost to under talent. And he couldn't handle the pressure, you know? the pizza after Michigan state almost fainting on the field pretty much during a Michigan game. Cause it was close. Like he got overwhelmed by the heat of the moment when you can't get overwhelmed by the heat, the heat of the moment.
1: Yeah. Remember where it was his, he was so physically debilitated. He wasn't going to coach anymore, Dan twice. That was like one, two, three times. I don't yeah. remember how right. many times he, he had to quit coaching Headaches. He was physically debilitated. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's Here what I, are. that's what question I question now <laughs> is that like, is burnout a possibility here, if that's real, you know, if it's a, because clearly he is not good at handling adversity. He's not like you. just, there's no way you you see what's happening right now. And first, I think about all these people who are like, he's a culture builder. And he knows that here all these cultures he built and, and people. It's so funny that they don't understand on the NFL, it's a lot harder to build a culture when you have to draft and sign guys who don't want to be drafted by you don't want to be signed by you. And you can't just go out and, and recruit everybody. And they're young kids that are much more pliable mentally than, frankly, grown-ass men who have families and are making, you know, as much money as you are. It's hard to just come in and build a college culture on the NFL level. But then you look at suffering the losses that come with that, and he just is terrible at it. He's His body language in press conferences and how he answers things and the inability to, to take uh you know the arrows and point them at himself rather than letting them inflict pain on others i'm just like if if he folded up in situations where things were pretty much 98 percent good and it's (laughs) 23 percent good here like is this really gonna last like players
0: have to respect you right they have to respect you either for your coaching ability or how much you care about them It's it's, it's, the NFL. Isn't that much different than any other work environment? And if you think that your boss cares about you and puts you in the best position to succeed and believes in you and has a plan for the future, I don't care where you're working, you work better. And that's the, that's the thing of leadership. He doesn't have that at this level. They, I don't think they respect him. I don't think they believe in him. Obviously there's tons of just dishonesty in almost everything he does. He can get away with it at the college level, you're dealing with an 18 or 19-year-old. You're putting mind games on the young players. Or these other guys are like, man, I, I just played for Andy Reid. Now I'm over here. And like, what the hell is this? Right? Like, that ain't how we used to do it over here. And so you have to have people at least believe in one of those things. And I just right now, I just don't think he has that. So whatever culture he's building, he, he is great at building a competitive culture at the college level. And that was really the X factor. Could that carry over? where you just got everybody on the same game and you motivate. He hasn't been able to do that. I just think most of these guys roll their eyes. But the the lack of – again, you lost your O-line this year. It's over. You cannot sit there and let some reporter say your O-line got their ass kicked and you agree with them and expect a bunch of
1: grown men to not sit there and go, F that guy. Also, I will say this too the staff situation which was alluded to in that story about him you know yeah berating everybody on the staff and telling them to defend their loser resume i love that i wish we i wish there was a saturday live just for sports <laughs>
0: Yeah, right, <laughs> right? occasionally great, remember like the rutgers basketball coach who huck the football the basketballs and everybody like they did a yeah. thing on saturday live. occasionally like this would just be a great saturday live skit urban meyer just calling everybody <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd watch five minutes of Urban Meyer flipping out on the team on the coach.
1: <laughs> but, okay, so like if you look, all right, Daryl Bevel, longtime NFL guy, brought L- his yeah. have you ever done, Bevel? Yeah. Oh, I made the Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, Bernie Parmalee. I mean, look, there's a lot of guys there that don't need Urban Meyer's crap. Okay, for one thing. They've they've been other places, as you said. They've worked other places and seen how functional uh, franchises operate. And if you remember the one phrase that everybody brought up about Urban when he was at Ohio State, he was hard to work for. The phrase was every day's fourth and one. That's what what it felt like in the building, because it was like constant tension and stress and Urban's on your ass. And that when Ryan Day took over, it was like, Oh gosh, okay, maybe we're now in like Third and three, manageable, you know. Instead of fourth and one all the time, and I, I just you, again, you can't you can't take that your fourth and one mentality where you are an emperor and Gene Smith's got your back, and you can say do anything you want over here to the NFL, where everybody's like,
2: "What the hell is this?" Well, not only that, like you can't go into a room. Full of the guys you hired, and then be like, "Who hired these bumps?" <laughs> <laughs> like you can't, you can't. It's, you're they're your guys. You hired your staff. What the Bit hell? Of a problem happens yeah, all the yeah. time in my <laughs> annual
0: uh, employee review. I get <laughs> I've been that every year I worked here. Who deserved hired you? Uh,
2: yeah, it's it's not good. Not good. Right. I don't know. We'll see. All right, that concludes our <laughs> twenty five minutes on on Urban Meyer. Uh it'll be what probably the eighth in addition of a hundred by the time this is finally over. We I real quick, I want to get to the other coaches in the NFL. We're gonna start to look at guys that are on the hot seat. Obviously, Urban Meyer, I think, qualifies at this point, despite Shad Khan seeming to slow play this. Um, but he's gotta be near the top of the list of of people who, who their jobs are in jeopardy. Wanted to run through a couple others just to kind of see what you guys thought. The Raiders and Rich Basaccia, obviously, things have kind of folded up there after the John Gruden resignation, Henry Ruggs. The, the season has pretty much imploded. I, I got to feel like there's going to be a change with the Las Vegas Raiders, the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy, uh, the New York Giants and Joe Judge, and the Minnesota Vikings and Mike Zimmer. Those are the four where I feel like you have the most potential for change. If there is a coach out there and you're looking at those four situations, Uh, Really, uh, you know, the Bears, you got Justin Fields. So if you're thinking, okay, I want a young quarterback to work with who I believe in and I project forward with, we're going to travel together hand in hand. The, The Bears have the product at the start and the most to work with, although the Raiders and the Vikings both have veteran quarterbacks who are already established. The Giants. I mean, Pat, all I can remember is Pat Forty. We did the draft show together, and and when the Giants took Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, Pat Forty was beside himself. Could <laughs> not. He was like tearing the set down, trying to light light everything on fire because he hated Daniel Jones so much. I guess it was right. Like it just it has not really fully worked out for the Giants and Daniel Jones. If of those four teams, though. Are you simply looking at the quarterback and saying, I'm going where the quarterback is, or are you looking, let's say like the Las Vegas Raiders, the state of the art facilities, even though Dan doesn't like facilities, state of the arts, <laughs> uh, technology, scouting stuff, all that you're in, a, you're in a city, by the way, hottest ticket in the NFL, like secondary market tickets for the Raiders are blasting into space, definitely has the potential. That's because of be. the visiting teams. Uh, maybe the visiting teams, Everybody but they, 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 have a good, they have a good home They have a good fan there, base, great city. They have a good, players yeah, are going to want to play fans. there, live there. Yeah, yeah no that's, players are going to want to live the there and play like there. Like but you, the secondary markets, because
0: well. <laughs> the, there's 10,000 like, guy weekends. Uh, you know
2: What, none of those none of those people coming in town want to cheer for the Raiders? Of course they do. Come on. There's it's
0: tons. Of, well, some of them are. And the Raiders are great. they, they got fans in Northern California, Southern California. They fans They're everywhere. Fans. Yeah, right. But there's also a lot of people like, hey, the Chiefs are playing the Raiders.
2: Let's go. Right. All right, right. well, that quartet, I want to know. Which, if If I was the number one coaching prospect? If you're the number one coaching prospect and you have those four sitting in front of you, who who are you taking?
0: Ooh, I always want the quarterback. Uh, There's two set, one developing and one, I mean, the Giants, no way. I don't know if they'll, I don't think they'll fire judge. I think they'll keep him. which is anytime the new GM comes in, the coach is going to go in the the next year. So it's just Giants trying, Giants think they're so smart. And- uh, Hey, real not. quick
2: real quick on that though. Here's the one thing though that I think is going to actually play into this with the Giants. I think the assumption in Denver with Vic Fangio was George Payton's going to come in, Fangio's going to get his one year run and then, you know, he'll he'll get a golden parachute and and be sent packing. Payton's going to have a little bit harder time moving on from from Vic Fangio if he does not fully believe in Vic Fangio or or wants a different coach there. These guys are fighting for him. They're playing for him. And and so I, I think you could have a coach who looks at a situ- – or a, a general manager who looks at a situation like that and says, if I'm replacing Dave Gettleman and I don't, I'm i not in on Joe Judge, I should probably just take care of it now yeah, rather than giving be. him another year. Could be. You know? you so I, I Yeah, I think he's got – there's a chance that Judge – I would
0: probably grab the Raiders. I think there's a lot of potential there, and I think you're going to – you know, it's been such a uh, this, I would say they probably underperformed in part because of circumstances that are simply just not football related. Uh, I think they're they're probably a better team than they were, but they lost their head coach over a 10 year old email scandal and they had, you know, one of their players involved, you know, just a, just a horrible You know, teammates, they lose. I mean, he's a talented player, but also like it's just there's been just so much negativity on the Raiders. If you're just a regular Raider going to work and you're just like, what the hell is this? I would probably grab the Raiders and say, you know what, there's a lot here. And I think whatever this team ends up with a win loss record, you could probably add two wins if they just hadn't had a bunch of stuff that wouldn't normally happen
1: occur. Uh yeah, I mean I agree with you really. I think I, I I would opt probably Raiders over the others. Personally, look, I want Vic Fangio on the hot seat. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't want any of this talk <laughs> about him being safe because that's a Broncos guy by he's the way. Going so out, we'll he's know. coloring outside the lines now. Yeah. He's a in-game it. moron, an absolute in-game moron. I if there gotta be stats somewhere to see if he has ever gotten a
2: challenge right. Ever. Wow. Ever <laughs> in three seasons. I think he's gopher. You know, I really do think our, he is over for three seasons. Our producer, Brett Rader, also a Broncos guy, and all I hear in my, my, my ear pieces. is I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Go ahead. I can <laughs> confirm. I can confirm. <laughs> <Yes. Okay.
1: laughs> terrible clock management, terrible timeout usage. Anyway, I will say, they are playing. Like when Va- Von Miller got traded, I was worried we're right. folding yeah, up. shot. Like shop, it's done. Yeah. You know? right. and, and they have it. So have that's it. been good. Yeah, um, I think Teddy Bridgewater has been a very positive influence on the team. Anyway, uh, on those groups, I, I, I like the, the Raiders. I think they've drafted very well in recent years. I think there's a good core of talent there. Uh, I agree with Dan that there's some some things beyond the franchise's control to a degree that uh, have probably exacerbated the problems this year. But I'd like to coach Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller and, and some of those other guys on offense. And they got some playmakers on defense, too. So uh i I go there the chicago one is fascinating to me i still am not sure justin fields is going to be great he may be very good he may be average he may be bad i don't know i just i don't have a good enough feel for him yet one of the things that i always thought watching him in college is he holds the ball a long time right and he was a superior athlete who it didn't matter how long he held the ball a superior athlete behind athlete behind a superior line throwing to superior receivers nfl you lose those advantages especially when you're in chicago and so can you he's going to have to continue to improve but there was some speculation ryan day who coached justin fields in college could he be an nfl coach um i think day making the blockbuster move to get jim knowles as his defensive coordinator from oklahoma state indicates he's not necessarily looking around elsewhere maybe he's focused on staying with ohio state and i don't know whether it'd be an nfl market for him anyway but uh but that would be one that would catch my eyes. Just what, what, how good can Justin Fields be? Uh, because boy, I just to me, that taking everything I just franchise out of it. But it would be fun to be the coach of a good team of the, in Chicago. I just well, think that would be one.
0: Ryan Day as the X factor to the Bears was certainly it. But I, I agree with Pat that defensive coordinator hire suggests that he is focused on winning, solving the problems uh, of Ohio State right now, and are not uh, focused on anything. Let me just, let me defend Vic Fangio. I do have oh, his challenge okay. record by the he way. went three and four, three for four last year, Pat. Did he?
2: <laughs> what about this year? No, hold
0: on. No, no. I got he'll go, go three and one last year in yeah. uh 2020. Uh uh-huh. but in 2021. Best in, the league. in 2021, he's one and six on challenges. Uh-huh. And he uh-huh. was zero for four in his first year, his uh-huh. career total with Denver. Is four and eleven
2: on Coach's uh-huh. challenges. That's crazy. Yeah. and last year
1: didn't even count because it was a COVID year. So yeah, for oh, reasons.
2: COVID, He's an idiot. Yeah, hey.
0: COVID impacted the what the replay guy was yes. sneezing or something. Yes. yes. I mean, yes.
2: Listen. Yes. Four and eleven in baseball get in the hall of fame. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> like you go you go four 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 for eleven in a in a two game stand in baseball and you're you're That's gonna be able to That's why nobody likes baseball anymore. I think the really? Rockies would take Fangio really great <laughs> for okay. Vic for I, I love Vic out of this because I'm like hey they're still fighting for that guy I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna we'll see what happens that. against
1: Cincy this weekend I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah you're right Listen, very big game hey, his I am, biggest game yet
2: look I, it was the same thing Flores early on in the season I'm like oh my god this is you know this flow and and you know uh Will Greer or I'm sorry Chris Greer are are on their way out here and then what happens they all fight for flow it's just hard to, to smoke a guy when you see the the players continue to even, especially after the Vaughn trade, I was with you. I'm like, Oh, okay, this is mm. it. And you know, they tried to move fuller. I mean, it was, there were other people who were clearly available and yet the players kept playing. So if you're the general manager there, George Payton, you got to be pretty happy that you, you the vets there are, are clearly still aboard and, and feel good about this. And there's a lot of talent there real quick though, from that group, I do want to say the Vikings and bears are underrated jobs when compared against both the raiders and and i think in some respect the giants because i don't want to go into a division particularly of the raiders i don't want to go into a division with pat mahomes and justin herbert i just i'm like screw that Good i don't point. i don't yeah. need to see these two guys for the next 15 freaking years when you know especially after seeing justin herbert throw it whatever that was like a 63 yard you know i mean it's just it's absurd those two quarterbacks i'd rather not face those guys for the next However, many years. So. Aaron, uh, NFC and,
0: North is one. Aaron Rodgers' defection from just becoming at, yeah, um, and, a, a and, dumpster
2: and, fire of like you know. Rodgers not gonna be around forever. Even if he doesn't, even yeah, back, right. He's a couple years. You know, he's not. I don't think he's on the Brady plan where he's gonna play until he's the Jordan 15. Love era. Uh, really quick, I, I do want to mention this because it happened during the show. I didn't want to talk about COVID, but this this is actually pretty crazy. The. Cleveland Browns, during this show, I believe put eight guys on COVID for certain, oh my. including four four starting players. This comes after yesterday. Again, we're 36 players. I think thir- maybe, maybe even 37 yesterday that tested positive and were put on. I mean, we are in an epic, unbelievable back-to-back day of, of COVID positive tests. I, I just want to bring this up real quick because Pat and I talked about before we started rolling. Dan, you actually weren't on yet. It occurred to me out of what had happened yesterday and then obviously what just happened with the Browns, two things. Number one, they're clearly going to have to pull teeth again and go to the players and say this offseason, hey, we need once again that 85% threshold on the boosters. Everybody's got to get shots again. Sorry, that's just the way it is. Maybe you guys thought this was going to be a one and done thing. No, it's not. You're all going to have to get the booster shots because this is the era that we live in now. And and I kind of, Pat and I were talking about a little bit. I also thought to myself, like, is this just now, this is, for, is this going to be forever? Like every single off-season players are going to have to get vaccinated, you know, a booster shot every single off-season, and they're going to have to test for COVID forever. We're going to be, as long as COVID exists like it exists now, they, are we going to be in an era where the NFL in perpetuity has COVID protocols and has vaccinations every single summer?
0: vaccinations at least for the time being yeah i don't, I don't know but it be, i mean it, it it look it decreases the likelihood you're going to get it, it decreases the, the the severity at least so far i think they need i think these leagues need to change their protocols i mean if that, i don't know how they're going to be able to do this the nhl is like getting racked right now like calgary's out for like they're not sure yeah, like do yeah, we, nba nba's NBA. racked right like but do you sit there and say look if you're asymptomatic play you know uh the idea that the spreading right the spreading was was the big concern and you know they'd leave space around the even the nba when it came back like around the benches and all that okay unless you change that and i don't know if anyone's got the
2: wants to do that but you're going to be dealing with this but here's the problem with that you it's like concussions okay guys are going to lie you got guys with fake right. vaccine sure. cards. Of course are you they are. I feel great. And then he walks out and, oh, you know, he's dying. Well, it's hard like, to you, hide you know. a cough. But, um, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, if you're
0: going to have these very strict protocols, I don't know how this works. This is, this is always our thing. I mean, we didn't know we'd have a college season. because we We're all like, well, if this is the standard, like, how, how the heck do you do this? Look, if one kid at a school gets COVID, you shut the whole school down, well, if that's the case, you're never opening the school, right? If one guy at a factory gets the COVID, do you shut the whole factory down? If so, you're never making another car. But I don't know. I, I, if I'm them, I'm looking there going, we're going to relax this. This is the risk you take. This is, I, this is one route, okay? And say, get vaxxed. If you're not vaxxed, you have to deal with this protocols. If you are vaxxed uh, and you're asymptomatic, get back out there and play. Because otherwise, how the hell do you do this?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's just a practicality. You can't have a business. The testing alone. I mean, just just the idea that forever you're going to have to have some set of
0: guidelines. I think you test so that you find the guys and let them know they have covid. And then if they are sick, they get it. But it's like if you're asking people to take the vaccine so you don't get sick, even if you catch covid and then you have to suspend like what what is the what is the nfl's responsibility here just what what are they trying to do i i don't know are they trying to run a business or are they trying to uh make sure nobody in their employ spreads covid to anybody else uh, i don't know that those can be mutu- those can mutually
1: exist yeah i mean i think that uh, the the testing protocols are probably what's going to have to come under a lot of uh, postseason scrutiny and discussion of of yeah. How, how much do we want to test people who are vaccinated and asymptomatic? That, and to Charles's point, people will absolutely lie about whether or not they have symptoms to the, to the degree that they can cover it up. But I, I, I don't know whether you can continually test vaccinated, boosted people who feel fine and say, no, you can't play. I, I don't know. It's a very difficult situation uh i'm glad i'm not in charge of making protocols or decisions in this but but i do think it reaches a point of of an inefficiency that's pretty problematic i mean it yeah. just,
0: you can't do this i remember one time it's a, it a little while ago but i, I was a, a college basketball coach he, like another team had lost like two guys because they got caught smoking weed right and he says you know why we don't have that suspension <laughs> we don't test for it I yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. easiest way not to have a marijuana problem on your team don't
2: ask. Don't test. <laughs> yeah. no, we'll I mean, find out. Right? Pat and, I, Pat and I did that work. Pat and I did a, we did, yes a we, whole, right? we did a whole, <laughs> whole did a whole, investigative project where he and I were like, hey, man, I don't think Syracuse is even, even <laughs> tested guys. It's, like, yeah. it's, it's game it up. Yeah, we you don't have tell a tell marijuana
0: like,
1: problem here.
0: And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't care if my guys smoke yeah. marijuana. So I ain't yeah. testing. But that was what, the unfortunate thing is Syracuse had it written into their blog. Yeah. To, to, that to was the rules. problem. And at the NCAA basketball
0: tournament, they would test guys for, for marijuana and Mitch McGarry at Michigan, who was injured. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't even play in the game. And he got, he got nailed and then suspended at to turn pro. I don't know what Michigan was or wasn't doing. That was not the John Beeline was not the one that was like, I don't test. Right. believe me. But it's just like, if you don't test, you don't know. And uh, look, you can sit there and be like, well, that's awful. That's this do you think they're testing every day down the Burger King?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are they testing every no day? your no office? Are they testing every day? Like, no. So why does the NFL and the need a- people to make the
0: whoppers? We don't right. need to test if They're tested every day. It's like, Oh, you know, uh, the fry guy has got COVID no more whoppers. No, that guy's like, I don't know what's going on. It might be the, might just be the flu. Just might be the seasonal, just as cold. You don't know. So, I think they got to change their policy uh, if they're, if they, I mean, this is a business, I mean, it's harsh and I'm sure people will get all mad at me for it, but like, if I'm running this thing, I'm like, we stop. We We might test, but we're not going to have the standard.
2: Well, there's look, there's going to have to be a whole new microscope put on it now because this is, it's clearly not going away. And there's an element of it that's feels like right now it's not working as well as supposed to. Uh, I do want to move on to real quick to close it out. Some of the college players I wanted to ask you guys about looking toward in 2022 um real quick though i do i want to i want to bring this up because it might be my last chance to get pat on the pod that syracuse investigation we're going in and i tell pat and this is coming up Pat come over from espn where he was on tv freaking all the time you know and i tell pat i'm like look man Here's the I was deal.
1: on staff for like three months at that point. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. Yahoo. He had yeah.
2: just gotten Yahoo, and this is after all the TV and ESPN and all the stuff. So we're going into Syracuse, and I'm telling Pat, I'm like, "Listen, man, no one can know we're here. So don't tell anybody. We got to keep this quiet." Like Twitter, it, Twitter was a thing then. It you know was just getting underway, but people would go on Twitter and talk about it. And so I'm like, "We just no one can know we're here." He was Pat. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally parked the car. Okay, we're going into this record center to pull these like records they don't even know exist, all this stuff. I am pumping quarters into the freaking the, the parking meter. Okay. And Pat is standing there, and all of a sudden we're like by like fraternity row, and there's like 10 guys on the porch, and all I hear is, that's Pat 40. Yo, Pat 40. Oh, all these guys Pat 40's here. Yeah, Pat 40. ESPN <laughs> game day yeah forty. I'm like, and i look i turn to pat and i'm like son of a I'm like, like, I'm like you can't we can't go anywhere with you like this is the least confidential moment and then and, and of course by the end of the trip there's somebody on pat pat's like uh uh we, we got a problem there's somebody on twitter somebody on twitter saying that we're we're running around town asking questions and i'm like god damn it pat I'm like, well like,
0: pat you have the and, worst groupies you have the worst. Exactly.
2: <laughs> he really does. Yeah, he really,
1: it was pretty disappointing. Stand him
0: in, park <laughs> right. in front of the sorority house. No one would have known. <laughs> yeah. who he was. Nobody.
1: Nobody would have known. That, sure. no problem. that old dude creep. <laughs> but <laughs> I have to say, like Dan, you can back me up on this for the listenership. Charles is the greatest cloak and dagger investigative guy. Like everything's got to be top secret. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> nobody knows you move. We go in, we go out. We're like cat burgers, yep, man. Absolutely. It's all absolutely. CIA don't operatives. Even tell the,
0: don't even tell your editors half the time what we're doing.
1: <laughs> right. we, so I, so she, then, for, yes, like literally like, hey, we flew into Buffalo. We stayed a night there, and then we go to Syracuse. We, we've been on the case for like. Three minutes, hours. Yeah. And Charles is just blowing me up. I this was is unbelievable. Ridiculous. I
2: was so pissed. I can't go anywhere with you. <laughs> I was so pissed off because we had worked so hard to keep yeah. this thing quiet. It's that that and then a, a close second place was sitting in Lawrence, Kansas, on a stakeout with Jason King, and and Jason King has drank three Sobey teas, and we're in we're in like a, a cul-de-sac, and all of a sudden he says to me, and we've been sitting there for hours waiting for this guy to come home, right? Who we who we had to get. And all of a sudden, King says to me, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, we can't. We've been here forever. He's going to come home. I said, I said, Jason, if we leave, if we leave, he's going to come home. Well, well, we're gone. He's going like, to. I, I, he's like, what do I do? There's nothing I can do. It. I said, pee in the bottle. <laughs> he got so mad that I told him to pee in the bottle. So he has to get out and pee in a bottle. And what happened? as he's peeing in the bottle this guy pulls into his driveway (laughs) and and then i'm like put it away put it away we gotta go go yeah that was uh that was some the good old days it's amazing Uh, that that was ancient history so let's move on to the future look college football players i just want to ask you it's a bad it's considered by NFL standards, because there's not like a top five type guy, it's a bad quarterback class. The NFL is looking at saying, hey, there's no number one guy. Detroit needs a quarterback. There's no way they can take one at one. The expectation then is we're going to take a year off from the great, even though there's going to be a number of first round quarterbacks, they're all going to happen sort of in the middle to the end of the round. Who are the quarterbacks then we should be looking for going into 2022? Like who are the guys that if there's not the bumper crop or easy number one layup type guy um, this year, who are you looking at where you're saying, Hey, watch the 2022 season, watch this kid. The way people were telling me to watch Trey Lance before Trey Lance was supposed to have his, his great, you know, last season at at North Dakota that got derailed.
1: Yeah. So for next year, uh, I mean, Bryce Young's the place to start. Uh, He, he is not big. It was really Uh, interesting. If you saw the Heisman thing, how much shorter he is than CJ Stroud and Kenny Pickett, but Very athletic, rocket arm, pretty smart with the ball too. Doesn't take a lot of crazy chances, you know, like he's already pretty developed in that area. And I think playing for Saban probably helps there and playing behind Mac Jones, who's super careful with the ball. But, you know, I think he, he's got that elite, both arm talent, mobility, and mindset to be a great one. Who else? I would go with CJ Stroud. Uh,
0: He really fits the bill more. He is, not hmm. accurate enough right now.
2: Right. Yeah. That's what I hear. Everybody's kind of knocking him in the NFL about his accuracy.
0: Yeah. He, he, it's not necessarily that it's incomplete. It's like he doesn't lead his, his, his player. He doesn't lead, you know, he's throwing on a back hip and these incredible offensive wide receiver, or wide receiver. There's no defensive wide receiver, wide receiver talent. But man, Bryce Young, I mean, this will be the debate. You want to, you want to know what you're ready to like just shut your brain down in the spring of 2023 is Mel Kuyper and uh, uh, Todd McShay (laughs) arguing um, the waist size and like, you know, they'll have some term like middle girth rate
2: (laughs) is narrow. Uh, They'll say he's narrow. Right.
0: We'll be, we'll be analyzing hip, hip length. And it, it just, cause he's just not, he's, but you're like, can he make it through a season? Can he get hit and survive it? Right. That's gonna be the big question. So with that the case, you know, I'm not sure Stroud isn't and I, I would not sit there and say, oh, Stroud's your number one guy. I would take Will Anderson right now at twenty twenty three. Number one pick. Yeah. Uh, that's a that yeah. is a, a a Micah Parsons kind of guy, right?
2: Is he is he a he's not a true freshman at Alabama? No sophomore. He, no. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then he's, right. I mean, he's just, yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. Right. Yeah. He's a destroyer.
0: I would go that, that route. I mean, now I did, you know, I mean, is there like, I don't know where they go with this. Like is, is guys pop up and come back. This is the thing about quarterbacks. If we had had this discussion a year ago, we would have told you, well, watch Spencer Rattler. Well, you know, sure. that, he's, he's head to South Carolina now. Yeah.
2: It's Sam a, Howell. Remember Sam, Sam, Howell, gonna be there. Right? Yeah, Sam Howell. Right. Sam Howell is going to yeah. be number yeah. one.
0: Yeah. No. So, you know, it's, it's, there aren't there every once in a while, there's a Trevor Lawrence and you're like, that guy is going to be the number one pick when he, after his junior year, but nobody saw Burrow coming, you know, nobody saw different guys coming. So then it's like, you know, is it, is it like, what about Anthony Richardson, incredible athlete down at Florida? Uh, They didn't trust him to play this year, but what if with the coaching change that develops? There's an X factor. There's a guy who's got, but very hard. There's not an obvious one as far as I can see.
1: I'll give you an X factor. Uh, he's only played 12 games of college in two seasons so far, but Tyler Van Dyke at uh, Miami, yep, who t- took over the job and was very, very, very good. Was he a red shirt? Yeah, he, oh, yeah, nice. he played so he two could, games
0: yeah. the year before.
1: Uh, he he didn't take passes. a red shirt.
0: Oh, he took nope. a red shirt, right. That well, matter. he did, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: he did. But, you know, he'll, it'll next year will be his third season. That's and a possibility, yeah. Big, got the arm. Uh, we'll see if he's got everything else to go with it. But he was very impressive when he took over at Miami. So he's another one to watch.
2: Okay, I like that one. Tyler Van Dyke, I like that. One more thing real quick before we get out. I want to ask you about Aiden Hutchinson. You both have seen the Boses play extensively. I, obviously, I've seen him on the NFL level. But I'm talking about trying to compare apples for apples two Big Ten guys, uh, Aiden Hutchinson with that number one pick, there's gonna be this this debate between him and the Oregon kid, Thibodeau. Is Hutchinson like where would he rate on the Bosa scale? Is he better? Is he comparable? Is he a, a poor man's Bosa? Like where where does that kind of rank, like where does he rank, I guess, in that dynamic? I I'd put a comparable. I mean I think comparable saying better
0: would be Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's just unfair and absurd. These guys are great, but I would draft him whether it's one or three or whatever, and feel very confident that you have an excellent NFL player for a long time with an upside of a Bosa. Um, Can he hit that level? Yes, but is this guy going to be a bust? I just I don't see it. So fast, elusive, can power. He's got everything. Incredibly disruptive. Steps up in big moments. Uh, His stats are not about you know, Hey, he had, he had four, four sacks against, you know, Western Michigan, but didn't show up for this game. Uh, You know, we'll see how he does down in Georgia, but I, you know, I, I, I I covered a couple of his games this year, Pat and I both did up at Michigan state. He was a dominant player in that game against Ohio state that I covered. He had 15 quarterback uh, hurries in one game. I mean, it's just, you know, fifteen pressures, uh, three sacks, every single play they're trying to, pay attention to him uh you know it's a focus so I just think he's a tremendous uh talent there'll be incredible pressure for the Detroit Lions to draft him obviously he's right he's a big hero you know in the Detroit area you know is he is he going to be that level just all pro I always think that's hard right you never know but I, I
1: just don't see how you don't sit there and go all right this is a really good football player for the next 10 years for us yeah, I I I would draft him with a lot of confidence. I agree. I'm not sure I would go full Bosa just because I don't know whether he's quite as athletic as those two guys. Right, you that's know what, what I, mean? I question. Right, you know, does he have the super twitch and the flexibility? Yeah, he's he's got the package. He's got the whole package. He's got the size. He's got he's fast. He's strong. He is absolutely relentless. And the one thing that that he actually mentioned to me when I sat down with him was. He instincts is that he knows plays when they're coming before they're coming, because partly because he studies a lot of it. But he's from a football family. You know, I mean, his dad was an NFL player. Uh, so I think he understands football on a very, very high level. The one thing, though, like this last year, I think he he put an extreme amount of effort into conditioning himself to the highest possible peak from a physical standpoint get stronger get faster I don't know they can get much stronger and faster now so after like devoting his entire existence to that for 12 months he's probably fairly near his peak Thibodeau I can't say one way or the other but maybe he has a little bit higher where he could go in terms of, of getting a little better from a body standpoint but I would I would love
2: to have Aiden Hutchinson on my team that's for sure Okay, guys, well, as we look ahead to this Sunday's games, we're going to make it simple for a few head coaches and give them some easy decisions. Even easier than deciding to bank with Capital One, where you get checking and savings accounts with no fees or minimums. Pat Forty, what is your easy decision of week 15?
1: Well, it's an easy decision, I think, for a very hard situation. And that's if you're John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens and you're playing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers you absolutely cannot get into a shootout because you're Tyler Huntley may be your quarterback or Lamar Jackson on a gimpy ankle. So you've got to find ways to shorten this game. And look, they are a run-based team. It's going to have to be even more run-based and spend the week trying to maybe get a little more creative with that, whether you're incorporating you know, jet sweeps or whatever uh, elements you need to so that it's not just quarterback, pistol formation, turnaround, handoff, run, Uh, But they've got to find a way to shorten the game, make it a field position game, maybe take some chances in special team situations or fourth downs if you get into plus territory because you're going to have to score some points to beat Green Bay. So if you're looking at fourth and five on their 40, you probably have to go for it. Uh, You may have to fake some kicks, whatever the case may be. But with the quarterback situation being what it is and the opponent being what it is, dig into the bag of tricks and get ready to run the ball 50 times if you're the Ravens. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I'm going uh, the easy
0: thing to do if I'm Sean McDermott is to find a way to get your running backs involved in the running game, which I, doesn't sound like to be tricky, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, Buffalo is reeling, right? Seven and six, but it isn't over yet. They, they have Carolina this weekend, 20th in the league against the, against the run. It, it's possible to try to establish something and get some confidence. Last week in the loss to Tampa, seven carries from the running backs. Josh Allen is phenomenal. He's a great uh, running quarterback, passing quarterback, all that. But you cannot count on your quarterback being your top runner in the NFL. He's going to get banged up as he did. If they're going to get something going this season, let alone against New England the following week, and they're going to make anything out of this, they have to regroup right now and get some balance back to this offense. And that means getting Singletary going, particularly some other guys. Run the ball. Uh, even at the risk of, of, of winning this game, which is obviously very important, uh, have to find a way to establish the run or else it really isn't going to matter going forward. They're not going to last long if they're a completely one-dimensional offense.
2: Oh, yeah, I like that. Uh, look, for me, I think the easy decision of Week 15 for Urban Meyer, uh, you're facing the Houston Texans. You have to win this game, and if you don't, make it all about you. You, you direct whatever the criticism is. <laughs> don't put it on any other place but yourself. Talk about how you need to get better. Talk about what you need to do to move this team uh, forward. You're you're facing the Texans this week. You're going to see the the Jets next week. A way to quiet this situation as quickly as possible is to take advantage of playing Davis Mills and a a Texans team that you absolutely, particularly given the Jaguars' defense, should be able to beat at home. And again, if, if it falters, if it fails, make it about yourself. Do not turn it on Trevor Lawrence or anyone else. Make it an Urban Meyer problem and show ownership that you can actually take some responsibility and change the way people are talking about both you and the team. All right, so that was Easy Decisions presented by Capital One, offering checking and savings accounts with no fees or minimums. What's in your wallet? Okay, guys, I appreciate you both dropping in. This is great. This is uh, special for me. Feels like getting the gang back together. And, and uh, as always, I always appreciate the humor and what you guys bring to the table. I do, I do want to ask you, what's the College Football Enquirer got on tap? I forgot to mention that off the top, although I did in the monologue. College Football Enquirer, if you are not tuning in, uh, obviously, Pat Forty, Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel. Excellent show. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts uh, every single week. Um, what's coming up on the College Football Enquirer?
0: Well, we just got done with part one of our bowl extravaganza, which includes making fun of a lot of the corporate sponsors. We have signing day this week, which is absolutely wild this year because it's also transfer market. College football is nuts at this point. And then we'll have uh, part two of our bowl. We have a lot going on in college football playoffs here. So it's, it's, uh, it's a wild time. Coaches are switching. Coaches are complaining. Kids are committing, decommitting. Payouts are going everywhere. All the stuff we
1: love. Jimmy Kimmel. Never ends. Jimmy Kimmel made an appearance. We had Jimmy right? Kimmel yeah. on our show. Yeah. Yes, of the Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel talking about Jimmy Kimmel. It was awesome. Jimmy
0: Kimmel's <laughs> L.A. Bowl. He's, he's a yeah. bowl he has a bowl named after him now. So he came on to discuss uh, what what that's
2: like. All right. well, that's clearly something that we need to ask for in our next contract. We need I need the Charles Robinson <laughs> eating bowl <laughs> <laughs> uh, The Charles Robinson stay off Twitter bowl. How about that That's that's the there one you go. Like oh yeah. all right. well, for those who are listening, if you can help keep Therese Paler's legacy alive, we would appreciate it. please visit breakingtea.com slash Therese. For the all juice tea or hoodie, as always, all proceeds from that purchase go to support the treze Paler Scholarship at Howard University. You can also support that scholarship directly if you check the information in our podcast description. As always, I'm Charles Robinson. You can find me on Twitter at Charles Robinson. This is Dan Wetzel at Dan Wetzel on Twitter and also Pat Forty at By Pat Forty. Brett Raider is our producer, keeping the lights on. You can get him at, at Brett Raider, and please check out the mothership at Yahoo Sports. Uh, otherwise, we will talk to you on Sunday night with Frank Schwab and the Freestyle. Peace.